Welcome to the Core of Discovery, a Lewis and Clark traveling companion, sponsored by Meyer Sign. I'm the host and producer, Michael Boss, inviting you to experience the journey of Lewis and Clark and the great American odyssey from the mouth of the Missouri to the mouth of the Columbia that ultimately defined America. The goal of our podcast series is to bring you the voices of people who not only know the history of the Corps of Discovery between 1804 and 1806, but live where that history took place. People for whom the past is always present. Thanks for listening. And now, on to the podcast episode. Situated 45.1 degrees north, 113.54 degrees west, you'll find Sam in Idaho, population 3,169. It's the county seat of Lemhi County. Watered by the Salmon and Lemhi rivers, the town is a mecca of whitewater rafting, with vistas of snow-covered mountains that form the continental divide to the east, towering over fertile meadows and grasslands. Lewis and Clark and the Corps of Discovery crossed the Continental Divide at Lemhi Pass, 30 miles to the southeast of Salmon. It was here, along the Lemhi River, that the expedition encountered the Lemhi Shoshone, whose horses and assistance would be crucial in guiding the Corps into present-day Montana near Lost Trail Pass. For 32 members of the Corps of Discovery, the sights they beheld in the Lemhi River Valley were a revelation. But for one member, they represented a homecoming. The sole female, youngest member, and the only mother in the party, Sacagawea, was born in the Lemhi Valley near Salmon. As the birthplace of arguably the most famous member of the Corps of Discovery after the two captains, it's no surprise that Salmon is also the home of the Sacagawea Interpretive Cultural and Educational Center, which opened in 2003 just in time for the bicentennial celebration of Sacagawea's journey. In this podcast, I interview Susie Avey, the center's director, about her history with the place she works and with the historical figure and tribe that inspired its creation. We'll learn not only how the center goes about telling the story of Sacagawea and the Corps of Discovery, but also the continuing story of her people, the Yagadika, more commonly known as the Lemhi Shoshone. Well, friends and followers of Meyer Sign and the Corps of Discovery, I'm coming to you from Salmon, Idaho, and I'm at the Sacagawea Interpretive Cultural and Educational Center, and I'm here with the director, Susie Avery. And my first question, Susie, is, Sacagawea or Sacagawea, how do we roll here in Salmon, Idaho? We say Sacagawea here at the Sacagawea Center, and we say Sacagawea because the Agadika, Sacagawea's people, that is how they say it. Um, That is what they prefer, and that is their word for this most famous woman of American history. Excellent. Well, I want to talk about, speaking of history, I actually want to start with your personal history. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you, uh, how did you end up in this gig? Well, um, so I grew up up in uh, the Big Hole Valley of Montana, up in Wisdom, Montana, so only about an hour from here. 
um, went to school, went to college, uh, you know, lived out throughout Montana. My folks were for service, so we moved oh, around a lot. Right, yeah. Graduated high school, didn't know, you know, went to college, thought I'd be a teacher. Uh, did then decided I wasn't going to do that. I ended up back actually after graduate school here in Salmon as an AmeriCorps Vista. Really loved it. Um, and then went to the Park Service. So it worked as a ranger in Yellowstone and then at Bear Paw Battlefield and at Big Hole National Battlefield where my mom had worked when I was growing up. And then this job opened up and I just felt it was the right thing. And I thought, what an amazing place to work. So three years ago, I oh, applied and I got oh, it. And here you are. And by the way, for anybody that has not been to Salmon, Idaho, if you could possibly get a job here, I would strongly encourage you to take it. This is absolutely one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, let's talk a little bit about the history of uh, the center itself, um, starting with how you uh, describe the mission uh, of the center. Yes, so our mission is to foster the knowledge and appreciation of the Shoshone Bannock tribes the Lewis and Clark Expedition and Western and uh, Western Frontier Life and the natural environment. So what we do here is we really, when people come, we really try to not only tell the story of Sacagawea and the Lewis and Clark Expedition and why Salmon, Idaho and Limhigh County is so relevant and so important to American history, but even more so the history of and the appreciation of the Agarika people, um, Sacagawea's people and what not only have they brought to American history, but what they still continue to bring to Limhigh County and this area today. Um, you know, one of the things I really, especially kids, I like to, you know, stress to them, especially kiddos from here is, you know, did you know we had some really famous people not only come through this valley, but were from this valley. You know, mm -hmm. Sacagawea was born here. And I always like to tell them the story of Minnie Burton, who was Agaidika and was a world champion basketball player. Played on the world champion team from Fort Shaw, uh, boarding school that won the World's Fair Games in 1904. Oh my goodness. So yeah, we just really try to get folks as they come here to realize and acknowledge that, you know, not only is it important to learn about the Lewis and Clark expedition, but to learn about the Agadika Shoshone Bannock people and what they have given and how they helped the Lewis and Clark expedition. expedition. Now, you know, my wife and I were here many years ago. It's a beautiful center. Um, when was when was it actually created? So it started about 2003. Um, I think for many years they'd been working on it, but during kind of that time of getting things developed and established in time for the bicentennial is when the Sacagawean Center started to come about. Um, different groups, the Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, the City of Salmon, um, and other partners in the area all worked together to get a HUD grant and other funding to purchase the land that we sit on, 71 acres total, All right. which had been a, a, a farm. Um, the local vet veterinarian had it at that oh, time. Nice. Um, and we still have that original home on site. Okay. <laughs> um, and they worked together using grant monies to um, purchase the land, build the interpretive center, build the learning center, which we rent out for events, has our administrative offices, our little research library, um, and just develop it in time for the bicentennial activities and so almost 20 years now the center's been here which is incredible I think and I feel like I've only been here three years but I think as I read the history and as I learn about everything that the center has hosted and done it's really neat how it um, is both a historical site that we talk about history and um, 
what happened and who's been here, but also serves as kind of a community gathering nice. spot. Yeah. yeah, and we have trails, and uh, every day uh, we have people out there. We have our regulars who are here every day, so I think it's this really neat mesh of um, when they created the center, they really thought ahead of how do we make this both a great place for tourists and visitors to come and see, but also how do we make this a community place that our local community can enjoy every day and maybe come out and learn something every day. Now, you've got the uh, center itself, this, this this physical site with displays, and then you've got the grounds. Tell us a little bit about you know what's here and what, what, what people should come to see, maybe how long they should plan on spending. Yeah, I think so. We have about, um, I would say, about two hours. <laughs> Give yeah. yourself some time because we have almost almost two miles of trails, and we have interpretive signs throughout the whole site. I think we counted, and I think we have about fifty interpretive panels on site, and um, ranging from Lewis and Clark, Sacagawea, the Agadica, to then. Uh, animals we have a whole nature trail and all along our nature trail we talk about different animals who call this place home um, one of my favorite signs down there is about the beaver because I just think beaver are so interesting and fantastic so love them. I love them <laughs> and so we we have all of that we have um, some different displays up so we've got the teepees up we have a traditional fish weir up we have the wiki up lodges up which are uh, again a type of traditional agadica um, home and so so different things to see and then in our interpretive center we have uh, uh, And it's a really cool interpretive center. I being a history major having done this I've been to all sorts of different museums and interpretive centers and my favorites are always the ones where you get to go in and touch things yeah. and yeah. our interpretive center is a touch interpretive center so we have um, different plants you can kind of look at and touch and feel we have some animals in there that you can touch and kind of tell you know I always tell the kids when they come through you know touch the otter and what does his fur feel like and what do you think that helps him for and so we have some really fun to go in there and touch but then of course we have um, signage interpretive signage about the cultural history of the Agadica Lewis and Clark Sacagawea's life and then we have what I think might be our most important um, piece on site and that is what we we like to call the memorial wall to the Agadica. Um, Sacagawea's people uh, lived in this valley for millennia and um, in 1868 Tindoy who was a descendant of Sacagawea uh, signed the 1868 Virginia City Treaty which he gave up so much land for the Agadica to have a homeland here in the Limhigh Valley. Um, it was not ratified so instead, they ended up with an executive order reservation. And um, the one of the things with executive order reservations, it's granted by a president and then can also be taken away by any president. And um, that's what would happen to the Agadica in 1907. Um, their treaty, the executive order reservation, I should say, sorry, not treaty, um, was taken away and they were forced marched from this valley over to Fort Hall. Um, to join other Shoshone Bannock people. So we have a memorial wall that lists all of the Agadika who were removed from this valley. And I think it's one of our most important pieces here because not only does it show what happened to the people of Sacagawea, but I think it connects us to that history. Um, and it's also important because when the Agadika come back, it's important for them. That's their history and that, you know, we are acknowledging that we know they were removed and that this is their home. And um, 
the Agadika do come back every August, about the third week in August, and we have the gathering. Um, they have a memorial run up Limhai Pass, and then we have a gathering here at the center with dancing and drumming and singing and a community feast that is open to the public. Wow. So I think it's a, an important that people, we, we acknowledge that history, but also that they're coming back and maybe some healings going on. That's wonderful. Well, you know, you've made a really important distinction, I think, um, in terms of how this place differs maybe from other places that call themselves interpretive centers. For example, we're going to be going tomorrow to Great Falls and we'll be at the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center. And there's an obvious connection with that place in the history of the core discovery because that's where the Great Portage took place. When I think of the location here in Salmon of your center, it's not actually a place where the core discovery was. Um, in fact, I'm not sure how close they would have been. Maybe, I don't know, the Gibbons Pass or... Yeah, so they came um, up over Limhai Pass. Right. And then kind of came down and then um, were up along what we call Discovery Hills. So kind of out on the edges of town, okay. kind of outskirted. Um, skirted salmon, I guess, is yeah. what I yeah. would say. But, you know, one of the things, and I, I, I love especially our local kids, because, you know, I think... When we talk about Lewis and Clark, sometimes people get bored, <laughs> is my guess, especially kids. They're like, oh, not Lewis and Clark again. And so I really like to impress upon them that, you know, your hometown and this place, this valley was a huge part of that expedition. You guys have been up Limhigh Pass, and most of them have. Yeah, yeah. And I tell them, well, have you stopped at the most distant fountain? And they say, what? And so you say, yeah, I tell them about how up on Limhigh Pass is the most distant fountain where... As they came across, um, I believe it was Hugh McNeil, you know, put his foot on either side of it and thanked his God he had lived to bestride the mighty Missouri. Uh, And the kids just, what? And so I love to tell them, you can go up there and do that exact same thing. And it looks pretty much like it did in 1805. And that is so remarkable. And I'll be honest, as much of a history buff as I am, it was years before I realized, I, I, I... geographically trying to wrap my head around the idea that the headwaters of the Missouri River could be this close to where yeah. we are sitting here in Salmon, Idaho was was mind-boggling to me. So I think, again, that the distinction that I'm seeing with your center is it really tells this origin story of a people mm-hmm. who one of the most significant members of the Corps of Discovery originated from because I think for a lot of people, if you said, you know, name the most people associated with Lewis and Clark and this core discovery, they'd probably say, well, there was Lewis, there was Clark, and oh yeah, there was Sacagawea. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I just, yeah, trying to connect people that she was from here and how yes. amazing is that on its own, but then that she goes on with the Lewis and Clark expedition and what she accomplished, you know, I and I always tell people she was only about 18. Yeah. And I think of myself at 18, and there's no way I could have done that. There's no way I could have done what she yeah. did at 18. Um, and, yeah, just so much. I could I could talk about Sacagawea forever. I could go into Sacagawea and the suffragettes, and that's a whole other <laughs> You know, <story>. this, <laughs> this may be a continuing conversation, Susie. Yeah, there's just so much. And, and then, of course, Lewis and Clark and yeah. them here. And they're just, yeah, we just... 
we enjoy history here and we enjoy trying to connect it to, to today. So in the two hours that somebody might spend here, what's the narrative that they're going to get from uh, the, uh, the center? I think the narrative that they will get is that uh, Sacagawea played an important role in the Lewis and Clark expedition and that her people played an important role um, in the expedition. Of course, we know that when they met up with the Agadika Shoshone, um, her brother Kamehameha was the leader, yeah. and that yeah. you know without the Agadika's help and support and agreement to give them horses to trade for horses, that Lewis and Clark wouldn't have made it as far. So I think our narrative here is that when people leave, it's that they know the role Sacagawea played, they they know the role the Agadika played, and that they know that Lewis and Clark, the expedition, came through here and that you know I my hope is that people will leave here with a greater appreciation of Limhi County uh, historically and the role Limhi County's played in American history and that that will also have an appreciation to go out and protect some of those places that we make sure we're protecting Limhi Pass that we make sure some of these areas are being protected for future generations to go and learn about as well. Now, I know you could probably go on for a long time about Sacagawea, and uh, by golly, uh, we're going to return to that subject (laughs) for a a future interview, perhaps over the phone remotely. But I I would ask you to indulge us uh, with one particular story of Sacagawea that stands out for you and that, that you like to tell people out of the many that you know. Is there one in particular that, that delights you? Um, you know, I think one of mine might be when they're, the story of being on the coast and her wanting to go see the whale. Oh, yes, that is a great one. <laughs> I think that was one of my favorites because to me it just shows, you know, that she wanted to go see the whale and they kind of, and then she basically put her foot down and was like, I have been here, I've been an equal member, I should go and get to see the whale. And I just think that speaks to her strength, that, you know, she was like, no, I am an equal member of this expedition. Whether or not people remember that or think that, you know, she was, and she helped out in so many ways. Um, And, you know, you could go on about who, who who did the most or who guided or who did this and that but you know she played such an integral role in that expedition she knew she knew plants she knew some of the landmarks uh, beaverhead mm-hmm, rock absolutely um but you know that to me is just speaks to not only her strength but her personality in that yeah i want to go see the whale and i should get to go see the whale because yeah come on damn it <laughs> yeah i was i i played a role and we've made it this far she'd never been to the coast i want to go see it too and i just think that's one of my favorite stories of Julia. There's there's a, a, a couple of mine, one that had to do with, and I think it was on um, William Clark's birthday, and they were on the, uh, out uh, on the Columbia, and she had saved a piece of bread from somewhere and gave it to him as a gift. Mm-hmm. And then another one was, I think she had had to surrender a belt of, yep. of blue beads in order for them to be able to trade for I don't mm-hmm. even know what they got in return. It might have been food or something. Uh, but another one that really stands out for me, and it's something that uh, Stephen Ambrose talks about in Undaunted Courage as a great puzzlement to him, 
it was absolutely critical, as you know, that they get horses in order to be able to uh, get over uh, the Rocky Mountains. And for some reason, as they're looking for the Shoshone, Sacagawea gets left behind. <laughs> and Ambrose says, why in the world would they not have brought her with them? The captains had asked her for the word for a white man so they could be sure that when they encountered the Shoshone, that, that the Shoshone understood that we're not hostile, we're not a hostile band because they mm -hmm. were being preyed on by other bands. And so they asked her, well, what's what's the word that we're going to need to use for white man? And she gave him this word that, you know, Tababon. And so when they encountered the Shoshone, they were saying Tababon, Tababon. And it turned out that Tababon meant either stranger or enemy. And the two could be synonymous. Yeah. And <laughs> Ambrose says, well, of course, because there was no word for white man in the yeah. Akadika language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It, to me, that is a puzzlement of why wouldn't you take Sacagawea with you the first time when you're going up? You know, why wouldn't Lewis take her with her, take her with him? Because, yeah, she was Agarika. She spoke the language. She would be... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, there, was prob <laughs> there was probably some mansplaining going on, but, you know, yep. that's a whole other <laughs> subject and we won't go there. Um Susie, is there anything else you would like to add uh, uh, about the center other than encouraging folks to come out and visit? Yeah, no, I just would encourage you to come visit us. We've got all sorts of different programs um, throughout the summer. We've got three days a week, a, a local historian, Judy Washbond, who does programs and fantastic. She does uh, tales from the trail, which is all kind of about animals and um, stories about Lewis and Clark's Sacagawea. Uh, she's fantastic. And then we have kids camps all summer. We have interpretive programs for adults. We've got bird walks, plant walks, and then um, we do also evening programs. So on Monday, we will have um, Drs. David and Marty Peck here uh, in cooperation with the Limhi County Historical Society doing a program on medicine of the Lewis and Clark expedition, as well as their new book, So Hard to Die, about Meriwether Lewis's death. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of wow. course... Every August, um, about the third week in August, we have the Agadika gathering, and I always encourage people to come, come for that if you would like. It's open to the public, um, and it's just a great opportunity to get to meet uh, some descendants of Sacagawea and other Agadika people, wow. and just share that time with put them. Put that on. Put that on the calendar. <laughs> Susie, thank you so much for taking the time. It is wonderful to be back here, and I'm uh, looking forward to sharing this with uh, the folks who are following these stories as part of the Core of Discovery and our Meyer Sign series. Really appreciate what you have, all that you're doing, and the contributions you're making to, I think, uh, one of the most important uh, pieces of uh, American history that I can think of. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for stopping by and including us. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to this podcast episode of Core of Discovery, a Lewis and Clark traveling companion. And I hope you'll be back for future episodes. You can also follow our stories through our host website, MeyerSign.com. On Facebook, you'll find us at 
Travel Lewis Clark, and on YouTube at Core of Discovery. Our thanks to sponsor Meyer Sign for making this show possible. Proceed on.